0: You are about to hear a message from one of our worship services at Rescue Church, located in West New York, New Jersey. If you'd like to visit or learn more about us, please check out www.rescuechurch.tv. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5. I have given myself a time limit. Let's see if I can do it. Sister LeVecki's going to be looking at me. So thank you for quieting those children. Praise the Lord. If we did that when we were young, we would get openly rebuked from the pulpit. <laughs> openly rebuked. So can I tell you something about open rebuke and, and people getting corrected? It's very healthy. I'm not shaming people. I'm not talking about shaming people and stuff. But, but if you cannot confess publicly, you have shame in your life. If you have shame in your life, you don't have confidence. So you walk around with false confidence, which is pride, instead of true confidence. So, so if people can't own their stuff publicly, that's another story. We're going to get out of this. I got to reverse this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, is, this serves a major thing. Okay, First Thessalonians 5, the day of the Lord. we put the I have voice on. It's not popular to do that anymore. <laughs> The day of the Lord. So, okay. First Thessalonians 5. But concerning the times, Kronos, and the seasons, Kairos, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then suddenly destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. So this is a metaphor, and he's quoting the book of Isaiah. So he's basically saying there's these prophets. You go on uh, YouTube, and you got the prophet lies. And there, everyone is saying 10,000 different things. People have a prophetic word every day and cannot even balance their checkbook. People do not know if they're coming or going, and they have a word for you. No, thank you. I'm not interested in the word like that. What I am interested in, though, is a word from God. And so you, you have to have an ear to hear and to know when God is speaking, even if he's speaking through someone that maybe you're not really feeling him or you may not really feeling her, but yet. God is speaking. You have to have a sensitivity in your spirit to know when God is speaking. You are responsible to discern if what is being presented to you is true or not. The spirit of truth resides in you if you're a believer. So you, you got to know that. So he says this, this metaphor that they're going to say, the prophets, he's quoting Isaiah, they're going to say peace and safety and destruction is going to come suddenly. That's why I you, know, you cannot say that here because I tell you, you're in for a hard time. I tell you guys, I don't I don't mess around. You cannot become anything in the kingdom without a hard time. I mean, it just doesn't happen. It's just not it's not real. And so he uses the metaphor like a woman. Like labor pains upon a pregnant woman. This is what happens. She's just walking, walking. I've seen this happen many times. She's just walking around. Remember that time we were walking around the mall trying to buy me Jordans? We were walking around the mall. I'm trying to get Jordans that it came out. Trying to get her water to break. I'm trying to get Zoe out. Zoe was 10 days late. And she's walking around trying to get her water to break so we can get, up, get out of here. Well, I'm trying to get sneakers, praise the Lord. And, uh, but what happens is it just comes suddenly. Suddenly the water breaks and then it all starts to come. But it's suddenly, suddenly. It's very interesting. It's a fascinating metaphor to those who've seen it. <laughs> it's, like, it's like I remember there's a towel on, your, on the infinity. We put a towel for justice for the first time. Uh, so anyway, the first one is going to take longer, so you have time. This is off pre-information. All right. Now, uh, then suddenly destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon them a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are the sons, Kuyos, mature sons, of light and sons of the day. You are not of the night or the darkness. Now the word skotos is also the word shadiness. You are not of the shadiness. Don't do shady stuff. Don't spend time with shady people. You... There's no, in the spiritual world, there's no, there's no such thing as gray. There's no gray area in outer darkness. It's either light or it's dark. So there's no mixture. You are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. He's not saying that you shouldn't go home and have a good restful night's sleep. The Bible says that he gives his beloved the gift of sleep. What he's talking about is a metaphor. He's talking about you should not fall asleep and be spiritually asleep or be dull or be unaware or unalert. It's a metaphor. This is important because people have an ability to drift. If you don't hang around fire, you'll drift. If you hang around with people that continue to lower the standard and lower the bar and lower the expectation, that is the direction that you'll go. But if you're hanging out with people that are marching uphill, that are going against the grain, that are going for upgrades, that are pressing, you'll be around a different group of people. See... So the people you surround yourself with will determine the trajectory of your spiritual journey. That's very, very important. The people. The people and the environment. I'm going to get into the environment in in a little while. Now, but let us who are of the day be sober. Okay, hold on, let me go back. Uh, Six. Uh, Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be sober. For those who, who sleep sleep at night, and those who are uh, get drunk, get, get drunk at night. He's, this is an agricultural society where no one is giving them food stamps to stay home and smoke weed. This is not 21st century America where everyone's got to hustle. Th- this is like, if you want to get drunk, no problem. All good. Guess what? Go to work, work out in the field, get drunk at night, and come to work in the morning, because nobody's paying for you to get drunk or get high. So Paul is writing here; he's he's giving them, a, which I don't promote. That he he's he's called. He's like, you know, what is he saying? No, Paul is saying like, if, if you're going to be drunk, you're going to be drunk at night because people work. Paul said, if you don't work, you don't eat. So that's another. That's another. That's a whole other thing there. But but let, let's just let's just stick to this here. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on. The breastplate of faith and love. So your vital organs need to be covered with faith and love. This is important. Faith, this is very important. Faith affects how I see now and how I see the future. But love is a motive. Paul spoke about being compelled by love. So love should be the motive. Faith works by love. What does that mean? It means that faith is energized or fueled by love. Okay, let's, let's continue. Now, but putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, here it comes the hope. The hope, a helmet, the hope, the expectation of salvation. Now, so what does that mean? That means that your mind cannot function correctly in the kingdom without hope. So here you see faith, hope, and love working in tandem. Faith, and love are covering your vital organs that pump the blood, that pump the life, faith and love, but your mind has to be guarded with hope. What does that mean? It means that your mind cannot process reality correctly without hope. The writer of Hebrews says that hope is the anchor of your soul, which means the soul, which is the mind, the will, and the emotions, is not anchored without hope. Hope, let me give it to you in 21st century English, hope provides you with emotional stability. Not up and down and in and out and up. Stability. Stable. I cannot trust someone who's hot one day, cold the next. You cannot depend on someone who's up and down and up and down. You you need hope to guard your mind, to watch your mouth. You need hope. Hope. This is very, very important. It's very, very, very basic. This is like Christianity 101. Faith, hope, and love working together. Okay. Now, for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. Now, let's go back to that word salvation, That the, the hope of salvation. That's also the word deliverance or rescue. So God, let me explain this to you. God is not going to abandon you. Listen to me. You may have been abandoned by a father, abandoned by a mother, abandoned by your ex-husband, your ex-boyfriend, whoever. I don't know who did a number on you. You may have been legitimately abandoned, which is terrible and painful, and I'm not minimizing that, but don't bring God into that in the sense of God will not do what that person did. When you you know how you, you know how we get into fear? We get into fear when we start doing the equation without grace, or we look into the future and don't see God there, as if he is somehow going to abandon us. God will not abandon you. That that you have to really how can you represent someone with confidence that you believe is going to abandon you. See when you, when you worry, let's say I'm worrying about tomorrow. This is the most fascinating thing about believers. We're crazy. We can trust God with forever, but we're struggling with tomorrow. <laughs> which, which then you really have to question how secure you really feel about forever. Because forever includes tomorrow. And eternal life starts today because it's forever. It's not life after you die. Eternal life is knowing God now, so you need to lay hold of that now. Why? Because you can only give what you've laid hold of. See, you can't give something you don't have. You can't represent something you're not confident in or you don't understand. All right, let's continue. God did not obtain us to wrath. God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus, through the Lord Jesus Christ, through our Lord. Excuse me, not my Lord. You know how we take salvation? Mine, me, my, 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 Are What does that mean? That means that how I treat you matters. How we treat each other matters. We, we have to really consider that in our actions and in our prayers, how we treat each other matters. Okay. But to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Paul has been so ratified by the gospel that the gospel changed how he referred to death. He said death lost its sting. It lost its sting so much that he refers to it as sleep. (laughs) He said to live is Christ, to die is God. Gain. What do you mean? He's going to gain Jesus, and he's going to gain his reward. So he's like, whether I live, Christ, whether I die, gain. What does that mean? This is a win-win, even in persecution. It's a win-win. People don't really believe that. But that's the truth. Okay. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are doing. So he's talking about comforting one another concerning, bless you, the coming of the Lord. What do people try to do with the coming of the Lord? They try to scare you. Why? Because people who want to manipulate you have to scare you. Comfort and edify one another with the Lord is coming. Whether we sleep, in other words, whether you die, right? Which is not really death. Whether you transition or whether the Lord comes, it's a win. This should be edifying. This should build you up and this should encourage you. It's like dad has been gone on a journey and he's coming back. That's good news. Why? Because you are not appointed to wrath. See, this is how you know. Listen, when you talk about the coming of the Lord and people are afraid, it's because they are insecure about their salvation. If someone is insecure about their salvation, how powerful do you think their witness is? This is, by the way, this is very, very basic. He's saying comfort and edify one another with this truth because you are not called to wrath, you're not appointed to wrath, but to salvation, but to rescue. Okay. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are doing. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord. Uh Uh-oh. We're all equal. No, we're not. (laughs) Those who are over you in the Lord. Nobody's over me. Well, you're probably not in the Lord. (laughs) Because in the Lord, people are actually in fact and indeed over you. Like my pastor is over me in the Lord. So be like, nobody's over me, we're all equal. No, this is not communism, and this is not a democracy. People are actually over you, and sometimes when people are talking to you, they're not asking you, they're telling you, but you're not hearing it. You can't, you're not hearing it. And it would be it would be wise for you to hear it so that you can hear what the Lord is offering you. Okay. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize or to those who labor among you, when anytime someone does not want to be known, red flag. If as soon as church is over, they're gone, red flag. If people don't want to get to know people and they red flag. People who have something to hide have something to hide. Okay, anyway. Now, we urge you, brethren, recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. So if if I highly esteem someone, if I honor them, it creates an environment for flourishing. If you have dishonor in your home, It does not create an environment for flourishing. If people are not considerate of one another, if people are not saying, how can I serve you? What do you need today? If you're not considerate, if you're not honoring, you're not creating a culture that will bring out the best of who God called that person to be. That's why the New Testament has more about throwing people out of the church than getting people in the church. I do not get sad when people leave. You know why? Because there are people that if they stay somewhere, they will corrupt the environment because they have no intention of changing. Environment is very important. Jesus did not call everyone to come follow him. Jesus Loved everyone, but Jesus was selective of who he wanted to spend all of his days and time with. Selective. Not everyone. The the Jesus who died for everyone did not invite everyone to be a part of his ministry team. This is a fact. In fact, some people wanted to do it and he's like, go home and tell your friends and family what I did for you. All right, now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. When, when you hear a word that's preached, there's always warning in the message. If you hear me speak, there's always warning because I love people. And I'm not going to play you out. And people have no idea the consequences of lukewarmness. They have no idea what will happen if they consecutive, consistently do not put God first in their life and say they're a Christian. They're setting themselves up to not experience the abundant life Jesus promised. So then they're mad at Jesus, and Jesus is like, Well, you never put me first. So how did you expect me to add to you if you don't seek the kingdom first? And, and what, get, what happens to lukewarmness and mixture? It gets spit out, it's not refreshing. It's not satisfying. So the whole Christian life works as God intended it to work when we put him first. It's just very, this is, I'm just saying, this is really basic stuff here. Okay. Now, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint hearted. So you do not treat someone who's unruly the same way you treat someone who's discouraged. So the word for faint-hearted is discouraged. So I'm not going to speak to someone who is discouraged like I'm going to speak to someone who's rebellious because they don't need the same thing. And you see this in parenting. You know, sometimes one of them is acting up, so you have to deal with the person. Everyone does not need the same thing the same way. And not everyone is ready to hear the absolute truth. In fact, some people will work against the truth and don't want to hear the truth. And say they're Christians and sit in a pew and sit in a chair and they will not really want to hear the truth as it is. They want to hear the truth as they think it is or they feel it is, but not as it is. And then they live in bondage. The, the Christian experience is not rich. It's not overflowing. It's like, I got to do better this. I got to do better at that. I got to do better at this. There's no, there's no natural life flow because we're connected to the vine. So when you're connected to the vine, you don't got to pray about being fruitful. You will be fruitful because of who you're yoked to. This is, this is, this is very, okay, this is all basic stuff. All right, now, Uphold the weak, the sick. In the kingdom, strength is not used to flex on people. It's used to lift people. So we, in the kingdom, we use strength differently. We don't use it to, we use it to, okay? Very simple. Uphold the weak or the sick. Be patient with all. You know what everyone has in common? We need people to be patient with us. Because God was patient with us and we need to be patient with other people. There has been times in this very place that I have waited years, years to say something. Years. So when I talk about this, I'm talking about beyond a personality or a temperament. I'm talking about learning to be patient with people because you love them and they're not ready. If I love my children, which I do, I will not give them something that will damage them or destroy them. And that's that's sometimes that's the same thing with people. People are not ready for what they need. (laughs) And it takes them. Honestly, it takes them time. I experienced this in my own life. It takes you time walking with the Lord, learning to really trust the Lord for the Lord to really say, "Okay, sit down. Sit down. Okay. I'm going to tell you something. Not as you think. As I think. I had someone on Sunday. Telling me. How the Lord was dealing with them. I mean really. Dealing with them. Okay. People. Are not ready. For the Lord to really deal with them. So God says no problem. No problem. I love you. Let's build some history. Let's build some history. Let me provide for you. Let me me heal you. Let me show you my hand in some areas in your life. Let me move some pieces around. Let me show you my involvement in your family. Let, Let me do some so that later I can address some things in your life that will be the key to unlocking the future that I have for you. But you're not ready for that now. Jesus said to his own guys, you have many things, I have many things that I want to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. In other words, your shoulders cannot handle them. You cannot bear them now. And that's the good thing about God. He's so patient. He's so loving with us. All right. Be patient with all. Can I tell you, you know, you know the main person you need to be patient with? Yourself. Stop rushing yourself. Rushing is rooted in fear or selfish ambition, neither one of them will serve you. They will both betray you. Let him... Let him do it. Fear is always rooted in lack. Fear, I'm going to say it again, is always rooted in lack. Love... From God, the love of God, the love of Abba, the love of Father is, is always rooted in abundance. Two different ecosystems. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good. For yourselves and for all. In the kingdom, if it's a win, it's a win for both of us. In the kingdom, if, if, if I'm losing and you're winning, that's not kingdom. In the kingdom, it has to be a win versus a win. So that means in the kingdom, we don't take advantage of people. We don't, we don't try to manipulate people. We don't try to squeeze people. But it has to be good for everyone. Or it's not good. So, so in, in, And you have to learn that in your life... There are some times where you have to say, no, I'm not going to do that now because it's not good for me. So there could be something that is fine for me or fine for, you know, someone, but it's not good for you. So don't don't try to push yourself into a season that you're not ready for. Sometimes there's things that are happening and people feel that they got to do that. And they get into things out of the wrong season, so something could be good. It could be God, but it it may not be now. And if you jump into it prematurely, you'll get yourself in a problem because you're you're not you're not discerning the situation. How do I know? Because I've done it. (laughs) Okay, rejoice always. This is it. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Paul says that. In who? In the Lord, which means you can. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You know where you can do that? You can do that in a, in a jail cell. You can do that in an apartment. You can do that in a penthouse. You can do it in a mansion, you can do it in a little house in the burbs, you can do that in Haiti, you can, this is internal, this is inside, people are like, I want to know the will of God, I want to miss the will of God, no, this is internal, the work is on the inside. The kingdom is on the inside. The priorities of God are the inside. The priorities of us are the outside. You look at how much money people spend on the outside. Look at how much time people spend on the outside. You walk into the house, it's all the outside. And, and the kingdom is the opposite. It's God wants to go to work on the inside. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in all things give thanks. It doesn't say give thanks for all things. It says, let's go back to what it says. (laughs) Rejoice always, pray without ceasing in everything. It doesn't say for everything. It says in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Why would he say do not despise prophecy? Because he knows there's going to be a lot of cheese doodle prophecies. So don't let them sidetrack you from the real word of the Lord. People are like, I'm not into that prophetic stuff. Well, there's no no purpose in your life either. I mean, I am into that prophetic stuff, but I want it to be pure, and I want it to be from the Lord. You know, I brought these people here to bless you this weekend, and guess who got blessed? That wasn't my intention. I didn't bring them here for me. I brought them here for you. So, do not despise prophecy. Sweetheart, can you please? Now, watch this again. Let me say something about the atmosphere. He's he's talking uh, about the environment. You know know the the moon? I'm not very smart, but I know a few things. (laughs) You know the moon? It doesn't have an atmosphere. What does that mean? Everything just lands on it. You're not the moon. Don't just let stuff land on you. Don't just let people dump on you. Don't just let whatever, whatever, everything is going in the world come and create a crater in your life. Stop letting stuff land on you. That's not for you. When someone tries to push their problems on you, that's not your problem. Everything is not your problem. Your, your job is not to, to fix everyone. You can't even fix you. You've been walking in motion for seven, eight, nine, ten years, and you think you're going to fix everyone else? You're not going to fix anyone. Listen. Paul is speaking here about an environment that is conducive to the Holy Spirit coming. He's teaching us about atmosphere. When you, we grew up in the black church, I could feel it in the atmosphere. The presence of the Lord is here. We, when the Lord is there, you, you felt it on Saturday. You saw what was happening. What happened on Saturday? See, you know what they did? I'm going to give use you an illustration. Because Arnold is a strong man and he doesn't have any questions about his identity, he knows how to make room for women. And for other people strong men know how to make room for others weak men are in competition they're trying to trying to get some and get theirs and get strong men don't they don't do that so what does he do he knows how to make room for Sarah's gift so he allupped her that is the purpose of strength in the kingdom to learn how to see the gifts of other people and make room for those gifts and then see okay yes we're gonna make room for those gifts but there's some character defects and what you build with your talent you will destroy by your lack of self-awareness or self-control so what do we do we address things why because we like to hear ourselves talk. No, <laughs> because we want to help you not damage yourself or other people so that you can use the gifts that God has given you for his glory. This is this is very important. So he knew Arnold knew how to step up, how to step in, how to step back, how to let his wife look. So what you're seeing with maturity and strength is people who know how to allow other people to use their gifts. This is important. I'm going to give myself to this for the next 10 years minimum. My pastor said it's 30 years, but I said, all right, fine. <laughs> I thought it was 10, you know. So we're going, to, we're going to do this. So now Paul is talking about an environment that is conducive to the Holy Spirit coming. Why? Do not quench the spirit. Okay. Rejoice always. So joy is the thing that empowers prayer. When you, listen, let me give you the, let me give you the human, the human breakdown. When you're with someone that you love, let's say it's just your friend, no gayness, no, no, no perversion, not your wife, you look at each other, but see one, someone that you really love, one of your buddies, you can hang with them and go, dang, what happened? We've been talking for Three hours. Why? Because you enjoy that person. And because you enjoy that person, time is just, it can escape you. When when you live in joy, joy is, is the thing that empowers fellowship, communion, prayer. So I'm not praying for joy. I'm praying from joy. So here's the thing. When, when the things that we should delight in feels like a duty, we've missed the point. That's the whole point of tithing. If someone has to tell you, "Tithe," verse that, you, you you just you've missed the point of being a cheerful giver. My daughter is a cheerful giver. Someone sent her a $278 purse today. Yesterday in the mail, she got a perfume set. Mark Jacobs. Three days ago, she opened three books, cookbooks. She can hardly read. <laughs> She's like... Bleh, 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 bleh. What's the point? Her brothers are like, why? Is, wh- what does that happen to her? She's a cheerful giver. She doesn't have to be told. The, 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 watch this. The, the perfume that she opened, it had, this is, this, is, this is a tailor-made gift from heaven. It had a whole vial full that was made for traveling. So it has a fat one with a little thing on it, you know, a little girl thing on it. And it has a little thin one that was made for your travel bag. If that's not for the bishop, I don't know what it's for the, for the bishop. She's a bishop in the Lord's church. You know when she opened it, the first thing she said to her mother? You could use as much of it as you want. And the boys are like, "Mm, why is she getting blessed? You'll be tithing to her ministry if you don't wake up. (laughs) See? God loves a cheerful giver. It is out of the overflow of thanksgiving that we get to. It's not oppressive. Prayer is not, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pray today. Oh, my God, I'm going to pray. No. Oh, my God, i got to read my Bible. Today. I haven't read my Bible today. I should read my Bible more. Okay. If you don't desire it, ask the Lord, Lord, help me to desire your word. Because you don't have to force yourself to eat. You don't have to force yourself. Oh my God, this is so stressful. I gotta cash my check today. I gotta look at my account to see my direct deposit. This is so stressful. I haven't did it in weeks. No, see that. that see this is the thing that you, you you gotta get. That's gotta get out of you. That type of stuff because. This is not about just a discipline. This is about a passion and a desire. You always have energy for what matters to you. People are like, I was too tired. The issue is not energy. It is a lack of desire. Because you will be energized by your desires. Naturally. All right. We're almost done. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. So we should live with an attitude of prayer. That makes me God conscious. If I'm God conscious, aware that I need help and that God is with me, the possibilities are a lot different than if I'm self-focused. Because if I'm self-focused, my limitations are me and that's pretty limiting. I don't do a whole lot of things good. Like, you know, like, I mean, you know, I, I really, I mean, I really need God. Once I had a, a, a pastor say to me, he said, man, my friends are, are all smart. He said, me, I really need God. I'm like, man, that's me. I'm like, Without God, I'd be a hot, hot mess, you know, and, and you have to. Li- so now if I'm aware of that. My posture, the the posture of my heart is different. See, when you, for example, for for me, I am aware from day one, before I kissed my wife, touched my wife, slept with my wife, before I even knew she was going to be my wife, I knew I needed her. I knew it. People go, Could you imagine your life with a person? It's more like, could you imagine your life without the person? How do I know I'm supposed to... Like, I knew I needed her help. And she was able to help me. That's a different posture. Now, how do you think I'm going to treat someone who I know I need their help daily? Come on. Hello? Do I look... I may not... I'm not as dumb as I look. Zoe goes, you're smarter than you look, dad. If I I know that I need her help and she knows that my life is the key to her future, how do you think we're going to treat each other? Right? Okay, now let's talk about God. If we know we need God's help, if we're certain that we cannot do it without him. Now, I'm living with a posture of humility. Humility is not a cheese doodle church smile where you're like, hey, brother, and you look corny and you wear corny shoes and drive a corny car. No, humility is like, yo, I need God. Straight up, I need God. And I need the people of God, or else the will of God is not happening. And then I'm going to be left to my own devices and they're not good. I already seen that. I synced it. So I don't want that. So what do I want? I want this. So now joy is empowering me to live a prayerful life. So that means that I want God involved. I need God involved in everything. So now I want him to feel welcome in my life. You have carte blanche to interrupt my life. You want to talk to me while I'm sleeping? You can talk to me. You want to talk to me while I'm trying to watch TV and not talk to anyone? You can talk to me. (laughs) You want to talk to me while I'm driving? I mean, there's no part of my life that I don't need your help in. Pray without ceasing. Listen, uh, let let me say it uh, this way. Luke 18. He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And then he he goes on to, I'm not going to preach this to you because I'm going to be merciful. But here's what happens. You will either lose heart and stop praying or you will stop praying and lose heart. If you stop praying, you lose heart. If you lose heart, you stop praying. Prayer Here is is pride. Prayerlessness is pride. You don't really think you need God, so you won't pray. But when you are assured that you need God, you will pray. Pray. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be repeating yourself, telling God how many Bible verses you know. But it would be a sincere reach of your heart to his. A sincere God. I need you. I need your help. I need your leadership. I need your forgiveness. I need your provision. I need your protection. I need Your insight, I need you to show me what I cannot see. I need you to help me to, I need discernment. I need to be able to read between the lines. I need to be able to hear with my spirit. I need to know what I'm hearing. Now, when you're humble, guess what you have access to? The riches of His grace. There's an acronym. It's kind of corny, but it's powerful. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense, which means you have, I have an expense account. Bishop Zoe got one. Oh. I have an expense account because he paid. That's grace. See, grace empowers me to do with Jesus what I could never do in my own strength. This is it. We're almost done. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Where does he get that from? Luke. All of Paul's best ideas come from the Gospels. He's not making stuff up, just so you know. The greatest commentaries on the Gospels are not commentaries, they're the epistles. Because he's working the gospel into broken people who have all types of problems. Which is similar to <laughs> us. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. This is the purpose of God. Do not quench the spirit. Do not uh, despise prophecies. Test all things. You, you see that right after Prophecy. Test all things. Don't just, you're not the moon. Don't let everything land on you. Test all things. Check what I'm saying. Check what I'm saying. Go ahead and look at the Greek. Go ahead and look at it. Check it. (laughs) Fact check it. If it's real, it doesn't mind being opened up And look at, Look at it. Test all things. You grow in discernment when you test things. You activate the gift when you test things. There's nothing wrong with testing things. I'm not talking about being argumentative or being rude, but I'm talking about pray it through. You receive the word, pray it through. You hear something that doesn't sit well with you, reject it. Sometimes you could get a prophetic word. It could be 98% true and there could be a little soul in there. There could be a little humanity in there. That's okay. Pray it through. Check it. Imagine, for example, imagine I get a prophetic word. It has nine amazing things in it, but I'm a little despiser. Prophecy is not for today. Nothing's for today. So now I don't want to hear it. But there was nine things that God was saying to me. And I rejected it. Guess who I rejected? God. Because you reject who's speaking. So when you hear something, pray it through. Don't just accept it. Don't just reject it. That's irresponsible and immature. Pray it through. Listen, write it down, marinate on it. Sometimes you'll get a word and it'll be so far into your future you can't even comprehend it now. There are things that that sometimes God will speak and you'll be be shocked. All right. Do not quench the spirit. Let me say it this way. I, I cannot preach this whole thing today, but we we grieve the spirit we grieve the Holy Spirit by the things we say I remember one time I was in a church meeting and the pastor was a control freak (laughs) and he would just step up and just stop worship and I hate that I hate even interrupting worship I want to take the microphone and kick the microphone out the door I hate it it's my least favorite part of the service I'd rather hostage you than interrupt worship. And uh, he was controlling the worship, and, just, and I was so upset. And I said, oh, this, this guy is, is, is quenching the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said, your words grieve me. I thought he was a problem. <laughs> Guess who the problem was? Guess where I was sitting? In the pew. So I thought that the pulpit was a problem. Guess it was a problem. Very interesting. Okay. Let me show you one more thing on the will of God. Finally, brethren, we urge you and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you Through the Lord Jesus. Do you hear what he just said? He gave them commandments. Nobody's over me. Nobody can tell me anything. (laughs) Okay. All right. For this is the will of God. Watch this. Your sanctification. That you should abstain from sexual immorality that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. This is the will of God for you. Sanctification, possessing your vessel for honor. This is important. If you don't learn how to do this when you're single, what makes you think when you get married you can do it? So whether you're single or whether you're married, You need to possess your vessel for honor and you need to draw sexual boundaries in your life. This is important. Paul says this is the will of God, your sanctification. God's desire is for his people to remain pure. That's very important. In the kingdom, purity is power. Purity is power. So, If you are married, a man and a woman, what you guys do as married people, that's sanctioned from the Lord. As long as that is a consensual thing, have at it. God bless you guys. Enjoy your life. But if you are not married, you are not married, then you have to possess your vessel for honor. If you are married, you can't be sleeping with everyone and doing all types of stuff. You have to possess your vessel for honor. This is part of your worship this is our reasonable act of service so worship is not just singing worship is also taming your sexuality this is a big thing i don't know if you have heard this or have seen this but this has been coming through a lot of th- a lot of messages that i'm not even trying to one of them i definitely tried but 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 this is really coming through And it it is almost as if the Holy Spirit is saying, Hey, watch this. Because the times that we're living in are perverse. They are perverse. And they are trying to make perverse okay. And then they're trying to say, Well, if you speak against perverse, you're not okay. So this is why we have to really have our mind renewed and be anchored in the truth. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. So people, if you don't know God, I don't expect you to tame your sexuality. So I, like, if you're a wicked heathen, I don't, I mean, I I don't have a problem with you. Because that's what wicked people do, wicked stuff. I have a problem with Christians who say they're Christians and live like the devil. I don't have a problem with the world because the world is gonna act like the world. And if we show them a better way, many times people are like, wow, I see that. I I see that this way is sustainable. The world's way is not sustainable. Greed is not sustainable, lust is not sustainable, fear is not sustainable, love is sustainable, patience is sustainable, self-control is sustainable. When you put those virtues into your relationship, to your marriage, to your finances, to your family, to your relationship, that's sustainable. Everywhere I go, I'm not burning a bridge. All right. There's no way to land this plane. We're going to crash it right into the wall. Eject the pilot. (laughs) Okay. Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles or the pagans who do not know God that you should take, that you should, watch this, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this manner. You know what that means? That people could have been taking advantage of each other sexually in the church. It's happening right now. I have talked to men who've been groomed in church. Men. Now imagine, imagine women and children if they try to come for men we should not be taking advantage of people economically or sexually nope that's the opposite of love you never use power to get what you want that's not how we use power in the kingdom We don't use power to manipulate. We don't use coercion or none of that stuff. Okay, watch this. Because the Lord is the avenger. Uh Uh-oh. You ever hear Avengers? Put Jesus in it. The Lord, one of the Greek words used here is punisher. The Lord is the one who will punish someone who will take advantage of someone sexually, the Lord. What that means is that eventually justice will be served. So things that were hidden will come out. And justice will be served. We're in a season of justice. Things are going to come out. More. Listen to me. More things are going to come out. You, you could take that to the bank. All right. For God did not call us to uncleanness. Let me go back. Because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarns you. He's always, love warns. He's always saying, if you do this, there's going to be consequences. And testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, He who rejects this does not reject man, but God who has given us the Holy Spirit. So let me explain to you what, in essence, the simplicity of. So if you reject moral absolutes or sexual boundaries, you are rejecting God. God is not rejecting you. So when people try to redefine marriage, when they try to redefine what is okay, guess who they're rejecting? God. God is the one that set up standards. God is the one that creates boundaries. and God is the one that told the sea, stop. Stop right there, don't move. Boundaries are healthy, and healthy people like boundaries. Guess who doesn't like boundaries? Dysfunctional people. Why? Because the more dysfunctional someone is, the more they bleed into other people. This is why I love you, but I am not you. I am a separate entity, even though we are, uh, we are members of one another. That's also true. But on the other side of that same coin, I am me and you are you. And what you feel is not what I feel. I am me. The same way if we have a relationship, it's two ways. So when someone tries to force their perspective on you in sexuality and say, it's okay for this or that, you can tell them, no, there's two sides of this relationship and you cannot push that on me. Don't let people push you around. You know, because people like to push Christians around. You, you see that kid, little Nas, he made, he made a thing of Jesus on the cross, Right? Let them do that to Muhammad. The Muslims will go there and piss on that kid. They'll go there. Oh, yeah, they'll go there. They'll beat him and they'll piss on him and they'll leave him there right like that. Because we are kind and gentle and some of us are so compromised and so weak that they don't care. They'll just say whatever because we've lost our voice because we're not the moral compass we are not the conscience of the nation we're perverted the church is perverted that's why the world mocks the church what happened to men like David that said tremble oh you kings of the earth what happened to men like that now we got guys that want to take a selfie with the devil we're in trouble I'm not saying you, but I'm saying we as a culture and we are as a people, we are drifting further and further toward the edge. And God is trying to call people back to a standard and he's using people to blow the trumpet so that people are aware. Like Paul Revere wrote in and said, the British are coming. There's Paul Reveres, there's people in the spirit that are trying to sound the alarm to make people alert. People, are, I'm just looking at my next vacation. <laughs> people are in a fog. And Paul says, no, no, no. Don't go to sleep. Stay alert spiritually. Stay alert. Watch your children. Stay alert. Watch your marriage. Stay alert. You gotta I check my finances because this is a culture of fraud. I wake up, thank God, I'm open. Accounts, so I start looking at everything because this is, a, this is a fraudulent moment in time. You have to stay alert. Not afraid, but you have to be alert. All right. This has been a full hostage. I'm like a recovering hostage. I really, I mean, I put the time on. <laughs> Keep an attitude of thankfulness, it will empower your prayer life. Thankfulness, watch this plus prayer equals prophecy you see this all the time people are in the ministry line they're like god i thank you for this person and then boom a word comes thankfulness plus prayer equals prophecy right rejoice always pray without ceasing give thanks in all things this is the will of god in Christ Jesus concerning you, and then do not quench the Spirit. Why? Because you're creating an environment where the Holy Spirit wants to come, and when He comes, He speaks, and when He speaks, He wants to speak to you, and He wants to speak through you. That's why it says despise not prophecy, because you create an environment for the Lord to show up and for the Lord to speak, so don't quench Him. And don't despise prophecy. Sometimes people are so eager... To shut down what God wants to do that's what you saw on Saturday they made room for that whether it's a sound in worship whether it's someone using their gifts whether it's someone using strength and resources properly it's about making room for God and making room for people that's what this is about okay last one Holy Spirit is showing us how to create environment for him to come and stay remember with Jesus the Holy Spirit came, descended, and stayed. If you want to carry the dove, this is a metaphor, not a bird. If you want to carry the dove on your shoulder, have you ever seen a bird on someone's shoulder? How do they walk? They have to walk conscious. Of the dove. So if you want to walk with God in your life, if you want the presence of the Lord upon your life, you have to be careful how you walk. You have to be conscious of how you walk. Are you, are you, are you tracking with me? You have to be sensitive to not grieve, Holy Spirit. Sometimes I grieve Holy Spirit. I don't feel good about it. So I say, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry for, for that. I didn't quite mean that. He's like, yeah, he and, uh, <laughs> you kind of did. know, But we want to be sensitive. And see, this is the thing. If you, if you point the sensitivity in the wrong direction, then I'm sensitive to your feelings. You're sensitive to my feelings. We're sensitive to the devil's feelings. And we lose our real sensitivity to the dove to the one who's supposed to be leading us and guiding us. Holy Spirit is not an it, or a bird, or a fire, or a wind. Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is a person. He's not the Holy Spirit. I I don't say the Isaac. Hey, the Isaac. How are you doing, the Isaac? You're amazing, the Isaac. No, Holy Spirit. He's a person. So, Holy Spirit wants us to be sensitive to him, to his leading. To his guiding to his convicting because that is that is our strength is in sensitivity to him what does the enemy do the enemy wants to desensitize us why for what reason here's the simple reason he wants to desensitize you why so you're not sensitive to Holy Spirit Why? Because when you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, the devil gets an eviction notice. You start saying, no, I'm not partnering with that. I'm not putting stock in that market. I'm not buying that. I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. I'm doing this. I'm going here and I'm doing that. He's like, (laughs) the devil's like. So what does the devil do? The devil wants to desensitize us to steal from us. All right. This is it. All right. Help me, Jesus. (laughs) The gospel is eternal. I'm never done preaching, you know. I got to go home and start preaching again. So Lord, we thank you for Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we want you to feel welcome. We don't want to grieve you or stress you out. (laughs) Lord, we want you to feel so welcome in our life. We want to have an alert and a heightened sensitivity to you so that you can lead us and guide us in Jesus' name. Amen.